as a church, we've been going through a series on 1 Corinthians, uh, which we started way back, I think sometime in November, and we're taking it very slowly. We're paying a lot of attention to it. Uh, we're not trying to rush through it. We're taking our time with it. Um, we had a little break from it last week, um, but 1 Corinthians we've discovered so far as a city. Uh, Corinth was a city which was similar to Liverpool in a lot of ways for its time. It was a, a bustling port city with multi multicultural um, population. And actually the church, unlike ours, thankfully, was experiencing some pretty dramatic problems. And we're learning about them. Um, and Paul also issued some really interesting warnings and instructions and guidance to help us avoid hitting the sort of problems uh, that, that the Corinthians hit. So Corinth was a church planted by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing this letter to them to, to encourage them to, to correct some wrong thinking and to, and to sort, sort of teach them how to avoid things in the, in the future. And we've seen in the early focus of the letter so far uh, that Paul was addressing some divisions which have arisen in the church. We'd seen people trying to follow individual human leaders rather than trying to follow God and, 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 and do the things that Jesus had taught them. And we'd also seen Paul really hammering home that God's wisdom and God's strength is greater than any sort of human wisdom and strength. Uh, speaking to a population where, where people really seem to idolize, 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 idolize uh, people and humans over God. And Paul's really writing to address that and saying, you know, you know what, God is stronger, God is uh, more wise than anything you can find in any human being. Last week, uh, we didn't speak on Corinthians, but Chris came and uh, spoke and reminded us of our vision. If you've not seen that before, this, our vision's on these two um, pop-up stands here, living free, bringing freedom, and then there's four things which are obscured by Debbie's keyboard and my Christmas weight. Uh, loving God, loving one another, loving Liverpool, loving nations, and a few of you thinking, that weight was there before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris really reminded us of that vision, and really brought us back to the, the heart, the focal point of it. Like, yeah, all, the, all of these things are key to what we are, but really the, the one we're really focusing on is loving God. That is the central focus of us as Freedom Church Liverpool. God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the reason we're here. No other reason. Everything we aim to do as Freedom Church comes from our love for God, and our desire is to fall more and more in love with him, and then to help other people do the same. But actually, that passage sets us up really well. So that, that's, that's all that Chris did sets us up really well for what we're going back into in Corinthians today. We're going to be focusing today on the task of building church. And the, this, this passage contains really key guidelines for ensuring that we build something which honours God and pleases God and gives us the maximum impact in the world. And the key emphasis is on building the church in the right way, on the right foundation. And just as Chris expressed in that vision, the key is to build centrally on God, to build on a foundation of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's read the passage we're going to look at this morning and I'll, I'll take us through it. If you've got a Bible with you, please turn to it. If you haven't, it's all right, it's on the screen. Uh, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to go through verses 10 to 17. I'll just read it to us. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any other foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed 
with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Okay, interesting passage. We're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at building a church which honours God. And the three things we're going to look at is firstly, building on the right foundation. Secondly, building from the right materials. And thirdly, we're going to look at why, why this matters so much. Why is, so, why is Paul so keen to emphasise these things? They're the three things we'll go through. So the first one, building on the right foundation. And clearly there is someone who probably hasn't built on a right foundation. In any building, laying the foundation is absolutely vital to the stability and durability of that building. And actually, building back in biblical times was not as straightforward as it is today. They weren't using these mass-produced, perfectly formed, perfectly rectangular, straight-edged bricks and iron girders and all that sort of thing. They had pieces of natural stone which are hewn out and could be in all sorts of different shapes and sizes, but much, much more of an art and a craft to building uh, than, than there is today. And that made the selection and the laying of a foundation stone, of a, corner, a cornerstone, all the more important. That stone had to be the best, the straightest, the strongest stone that would provide the deepest, firmest foundation in order for the rest of the building to take shape and to line up right. And these sort of metaphors and themes of building were very, very common in, in New Testament writing, especially with Paul and Peter, because it fits with the early church, because they were, they were building something that hadn't been built before. Church was new. Early church hadn't been done before. We're following on from the immediate aftermath of Jesus. And what do we do now? Well, Jesus instructed us to build church. How do we do that? So Paul and Peter sort of wrote a lot to address that sort of thing, and they used these, these pictures of building a lot. And remember, Paul is writing in part to address issues in the church where people have lost their focus on Jesus. And people are trying to follow humans. We see him writing to say, you know, some people want to follow Apollos, some people want to follow Paul, follow someone else. No, we're following Jesus. Paul needed the church to know that a church built on anything other than Christ is doomed to failure. If you try building a church on a human being, it's not going to work because humans will always let you down. There's a few people looking, why is, why is Klopp up there? Why is, why is James up there? <laughs> We've got there a few people. We've got David Bowie, Jurgen Klopp, Jeremy Corbyn. They're all people who there's a kind of a cult around their personality and, and they've built a following and there's a lot of people relying on these individual people and, and, and laying them as the foundation for whatever it is that their passion or their life. But Paul reminds us, if you build something on a human, if you make a human your foundation, if you try and build relying on human strength and human foundation, it's not going to work. Because if we place all of our hope, all of our trust, all of our reliance on any individual person, we're bound to be disappointed. I'm very sorry, Liverpool fans. 
Because as humans, every single one of us, we are fallible. We're sinful. We get things wrong. We're not, we're not reliable, are we? But also, much, almost more importantly, we're mortal. We're not a lasting foundation. At some point, we're going to die. I always remember I used to visit uh, Bridge Chapel every now and again in Garson, and if anyone's been there, Bill Bygro is a very powerful preacher, and he regularly used to preach about our mortality. He used to say, one out of one people die. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but he used to really hammer home, do you know what? We're not here forever. And if you build on a human foundation, at some stage, stage that foundation's going to go, because the person won't be there anymore. So Paul seeks to remind the church, you know what? You need to choose your foundation stone wisely. Because once it's laid, you can't change it. And it's hard to replace that first stone. Hence, Paul's statement, no one can lay any other foundation than one already laid. And he's reminding his church that he's laid the foundation stone in Corinth. And that foundation stone is Jesus. And Jesus is a much, much wiser choice as a foundation. Yes, Jesus is human. He walked on this earth. He really did live he was born, he rose as, a, as an adult, he died. He was a human being. He is a human being. But he's also God. He's infallible. He can't sin. He won't sin. He won't let us down. We're not going to build on a foundation of Jesus and be disappointed because he's let us down. It doesn't happen. He's God. He's utterly holy and sinless. And also, he's stronger than death. Whereas you and me will we'll die one day, Jesus died and rose again. He was stronger than death. He beat it. That is a cornerstone. That is a foundation that isn't going anywhere. That's why it's a wiser choice. That's why Paul built on Jesus. Paul reminds him, no matter what bad decisions you're making in Corinth, no matter who you're listening to, no matter what they're telling you, no matter which wrong direction you're taking, I laid the foundation of this church and it's Jesus. You ain't changing that. He's fighting for his church there. Never forget that. If you want this church to be built successfully, if you want this to work, you need to get back to that foundation and you need to line up with it. Paul was a master builder. He blows his trumpet a little bit, calls himself the master builder. He built a lot of churches. And each church was built in a different city with a different features, with different circumstances, different problems, different people. But every single church he planted, every single church he built, he laid Jesus as the foundation. And it's the same in Corinth. He builds on the foundation of Jesus. And in this passage, we see Jesus referred to as the foundation. Elsewhere, we see Jesus referred to as a cornerstone. And it's that key role of that person laying the foundation to make sure that that cornerstone is right. If the church is built on the right foundation with the right cornerstone, it will long outlive the founding builder. When Paul writes to the Ephesians church in Ephesus that he also planted, he writes this, consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God, God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling 
in which God lives by his spirit. Clear again here. Apostles, prophets, they carry out the work of laying the foundation, of choosing the right foundation and cornerstone. But that foundation and cornerstone itself has to be Jesus. And then once he's in place, the whole building, the whole, all the people in the church, the building, the, we are the people who are the building. Once that foundation is laid, the church rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. We are joined together in Christ and we all refer back to that chief cornerstone, Jesus. We also have to understand, though, that building a church is not like building a house or an office block or whatever. You don't throw it up, throw the structure up and then just move in. Building a church is an ongoing process. Our church will be built over time and it will go through seasons and changes. And in Peter, he's keen to remind us that as the bricks of the building, we're living stones. We're changeable, we're movable. Stones can move about. It's not a finished work. But as long as we keep building with reference to the cornerstone, then the structure will be sound and it'll be safe to grow. Jesus is the most incredible foundation because he's not just a stone hidden at the base of the building. His presence permeates the whole of the building. It sustains the entire structure. And a foundation of Jesus should mean that Jesus is ingrained in the entire building. And there is no deeper foundation than Jesus. If we make him our focus, if we pursue him with prayer, with worship, with devotion, then we will have the kind of foundation that goes so deep, nothing will ever bring that building down. Freedom Church, we are a church built on the foundation of Jesus. We're laid the foundation was laid with apostolic authority. We, as leaders, never want to be the subject of divisions or factions in this church. I'm sure it would never happen, but we don't want to have issues like Corinth were having. I don't, we don't want to see church members arguing about, amongst themselves, like, who's the best one to follow? Should we follow Chris Clifton Brown, or should we follow Matt Ashworth, or Jack Sharples, or whoever? It's not what it's about. We're not even built on a foundation of Terry Virgo or, or some other amazing New Frontiers church leader over the years. No, we are founded on Jesus Christ. He alone is our cornerstone. And what we have built so far and what we will build in the future is entirely built on him and is sustained by him. And we mustn't ever forget that. So let us build with care, constantly checking ourselves, ensuring that we're building with reference to that foundation. We're following the lines that foundation sets and that Jesus is our cornerstone. Okay, that's the first point. Everyone got that? Happy with that? So the second thing, building with the right materials. Verse 12, having talked about the foundations, Paul then talks about, verse 12, the materials that could be used to build the church. And he mentions six. We have gold, silver, precious stones. I had fun with this wood and then the other three mentions are hay and straw does anyone know the difference between hay and straw can you can could you tell the difference visually between hay and straw i had to use a bit of google images so there's there's hay and there's straw <laughs> that's quite lame isn't it <laughs> that is not the straw that paul is talking about 
just checking you're awake. Straw has got the seed heads on it. Thank you, Farmer Ruth. That is very helpful. If ever you're in doubt, straw has got the seed heads on it. And hay is from grass. What's straw from then? Oh, well, there you go. I'm learning as I go. Thank you very much. What is the significance of these materials? Essentially, they fall into two categories. You've got category category one, strong, valuable, long-lasting materials. Your gold, your silver, your precious stones. And then you've got your second category, which are your weaker, cheaper, more easily damaged, more perishable materials. Wood, hay, straw. (laughs) And when we think about building an actual building... It doesn't take much to work out which category of materials we'd probably rather build with to get the best result. To achieve the most long-lasting, beautiful, valuable, effective building, we would choose the materials from category one. The gold, silver, the precious stones. It's obvious, isn't it? But Paul isn't really talking about building an actual physical building. Besides, how many buildings have you ever actually seen that are made from solid silver or gold. I know a guy who could get some steel. Um, Chris Clifton Brown is a very successful steel salesman, but I'm not sure it would quite be as valuable as gold or silver. I'm not sure he's got anything more precious than that. But what Paul is talking about here is that when, we, when we're building on a foundation of Jesus, what are going to be the key characteristics of the church? What are the things that will define us? What will be visible to the world that will dictate what we do, that will impact, that, what impact we'll have on the world? I don't know if anyone's ever been to Park Guell in Barcelona. Anyone been there? Me and Debbie had a lovely time there. Ken and Ruth took us just before George was born. Absolutely stunning place. Um, did I ever say thank you for that, Ken and Ruth? Thank you for taking us to Barcelona. Um, <laughs> it's an incredibly beautiful place. Designed by... Anyone name the artist? Oh. Say again. Gaudi. Indeed. Well done, Jess. Um, Gaudi and all around if you walk around that park everywhere you go there are little touches little features little things that speak of that artist of Gaudi everywhere you go there's little little things that just just remind you oh yeah, this, this is Gaudi this, this is designed by him his whole he, he, he's the founder of that park and the whole park speaks of him it's obvious that it, it's his park that he, he designed it he built it you're not in any doubt as you walk around and Paul here is challenging the Corinthians and us as, as church builders to build something that speaks of our foundation, to be just like our precious founder, to be known as something strong and durable and beautiful and valuable, a church that radiates what we're built on, not a church that's of little value and, and questionable strength. So how does that work in practice? Well, it all comes back to that foundation, Jesus. If we're building a church on Christ, we want that church to follow his pattern, to do the kind of things that he modelled to us when he lived and walked on this earth. We want to use his example to emulate him and have the kind of impact on the world that he had. So, what does that look like? Gold, silver, precious stones. If we're going to build with those things, what are, what are our gold? What, are our, what is our silver? What is our precious stones? Here's what I was thinking a passion for God. If we build a church which is passionate about God, which makes God our number one, our whole direction is to God. 
we worship him, we praise him, un unbridled praise and worship. We rely on him. That's building with gold and silver and precious stones. If we show a passion for the word, if we build with a passion for scripture and we follow it and we love it and we ingest it and we feed on it, that's, that's going to help us to build with the right material. If we have passion for one another, if we, we serve each other with acts of service and compassion and kindness, that's the kind of valuable material that we can build the right kind of church with. If we have a heart for the poor, Jesus modelled this so much in his time on earth. If we stand up and serve and bless and love and welcome the marginalised and the poor and the downtrodden and we take action to bless and include those people, that's the kind of material we want to build our church with. If we have a passion for the gospel, if we unashamedly stand up and spread the good news about Jesus, that's the kind of strong, valuable, precious material we're going to build church with. And if we have a passion for the Holy Spirit, the belief in his power and his work active today, that's the kind of material we need to build our church with. And all of those materials are 100% evident when we look at the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ on earth. He modelled each and every one of them and many more besides. What, what better materials to use on top of our Jesus-shaped foundation than those very ones that he showed us how to use? Having Jesus as our foundation should result in a building which is utterly pervaded by him. Not only from the bottom, but holding it up and found in every single part. A church built with those materials is going to be effective, attractive, strong. It's going to do amazing things. One of my favorite quotes from a church leader, Bill Hybels, is that he says, the local church is the hope for the world. If we build a local church with these materials, with these precious things, we're going to bring hope to this city. We're going to change this city. On the contrary then, just give me a quick sip of drink. The wood, the hay, the straw. What, what does a church look like that's built with these materials? And I've just thought about some examples here. I think if we, a church that elevates anyone or anything above God, that idolizes something that's guilty of idolatry, that's the kind of church that's, that's built out of wood or hay or straw. If we let anything else come between us and our love of God and we put anything before him, then we're not building with the right material. If we teach the wrong kind of gospel, if we, if we try and teach a prosperity gospel, that if you believe in Jesus, you'll be rich and you'll be healthy, you'll never get sick again, you'll be rich, God will bless you with so much finance, and you'll be so, you'll be so much better off if you be, just believe in Jesus. Then, do you know what? It doesn't say that in the Bible. Yes, we'll be better off spiritually, but there's no promise in the Bible that we'll be rich if we follow Jesus. But we do see churches built on that basis. There are lots of them, sadly. I think that's the wrong kind of material to build it. It might be based on Jesus, but then they've put the wrong kind of material on top. If we have that passion for one another, that inward folk, that, that so much so that we love each other, we care for each other, but so much so that we become entirely inward focused, that we never look outside these four walls, we never look at the community around us, we never welcome people in and invite people in, 
it's loosely based on building on Jesus, but it's the wrong kind of material again. We're getting it not quite right. We form cliques and we form little, little inward groups where we look after each other really, really well, but everyone else is shut out and there's people who are left out. It's the wrong kind of material to build with. If we value culture, current culture, above our value of scripture, if we make such an effort to be relevant to the world, such an effort to be modern, such an effort to blow the way the, the current winds are blowing, and we put that above scripture, we're building with the wrong kind of material. Again, it might be loosely based on building on that foundation, but you're picking the wrong materials. We've got to value God's word over and above anything else. If we get that wrong, then we're in danger of building with hay or straw or wood rather than gold or silver or precious stones. And if we focus so much on action, so much on work, so much on doing, 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 and we put that over and above grace, and we make that the basis for our salvation, then we're building with the wrong material. Paul teaches, Paul teaches so clearly throughout Scripture that we are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. And if we try and become a doing church that does stuff, and that's what saves us, that's what makes us at one with God, then, yeah, we'll do some great stuff, but we're building with the wrong material, and we're not building the kind of church that God wants us to have. I hope those differences are, are kind of obvious. They're, they're sort of nuanced, aren't they? There's some good in, in some of those things, if that makes sense. They're not, they are things you can build a church out of. It is possible to build a church out of those materials doing those things. You can think of some churches that are built from those materials. And on the, on the face of it, they look very successful, some of them. There's mega churches in America, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are on churches that are built on, for example, prosperity gospel. And it can look very successful and very attractive. But you know what? I think Paul would say, you know what? You've built from the wrong material there. We don't want to slip in to any habit of building with the wrong materials. We need to keep referring to our foundation and keep building something that looks like what Jesus did on earth. So, we've chosen our foundation stone. We've worked out what materials we want to build with. Finally, why does this matter so much? Why is Paul so concerned with these materials and this foundation, what's the end result? What happens with a church built from silver, gold, and precious stones as opposed to one built from wood or straw or hay? On earth, as I said, it's, it's sometimes hard to tell because we can see churches that are built from some of those not-so-good materials, and they look great. They look successful. They look huge. But Paul reveals the end game. Paul reveals why this matters so much. We're looking at verses... 12 to, to 15. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day, day with a capital D, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. What's Paul saying here? Essentially, there's going to be a day of judgment. A day when Christ will return and meet his bride and will judge and test 
his church. And the testing, Paul says here, will be with fire. And often fire is the ultimate test, isn't it, of the longevity and the durability of a building. If you, can survive, if you build a building to survive fire, you're doing pretty well. And Paul's using a picture that would resonate with the Corinthians. In um, around 140-odd BC, Corinth, uh, Corinth was actually ransacked by the Romans and was burnt to the ground just a couple of hundred years before Jesus lived. And it remained in ruins for over 100 years. And eventually, around 40-odd years before Christ, reconstruction commenced. And amongst the ruins, they found the things that had survived were the precious stones and the precious metals. They had survived the fire. Everything else was gone. So this was something that people in Corinthians, this would make sense to them. 100 years on, the city would have been largely rebuilt, but still some stuff going on. The question we've got to ask ourselves, will our church survive these fierce flames? If we build it from silver and gold and precious stones, then yes. Those materials are pleasing to God. When he tests them, they will pass by virtue of having been built according to his heart, by having been built on the foundation of Jesus. And silver and gold, carefully chosen by Paul, in this image, they're not damaged by fire, are they? They're refined. They're purified. When you put silver and gold through fire, they don't get weaker. They don't disappear. They don't burn up. They get stronger and more pure. But what of hay and wood and straw? What happens when you stick hay and wood and straw in a fire? Well, they burn up. They disappear. That's why Paul says there'll be a loss. You will suffer a loss. What is being built, no matter how carefully, no matter how diligently, will be burnt up. It feels quite a stark, scary warning, that, doesn't it? It feels a little bit, oof, flipping it, pressure's on. Paul is really clear to emphasise something here. Our salvation is dependent, again, on faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. If we have accepted Jesus as our Saviour, and then we try and build a church, and we make bad choices, and we use the wrong materials, do you know what, actually... This passage says our salvation is not in question, okay? The verse says that the believer will suffer loss, the loss of seeing what you're so carefully built destroyed, but they will still be saved. But they'll be saved, he uses the phrase, as one escaping through the flames, effectively saying, by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> You'll be saved, but it's not going to be a, an easy escape. But it will be an escape, so just hear that. If we get this wrong, there's still grace. God still loves us. It's not a comfortable escape, but it is an escape. And that is incredible. Again, showing the grace, the mercy, the love of our, of our Lord, that we get this completely wrong. As long as we've, we've tried to build on that foundation of Jesus, as long as we've made Jesus the foundation of our lives, heaven's doors are still open. But I don't know about you. I would rather not go down that route. <laughs> I don't really want to stand before my Lord and my Saviour on that day of judgment and find that I've disappointed him or dishonoured him, even if I know that he's still forgiven me. Because Jesus has done more for me and more for us than anyone could ever possibly do. He's died for us. He's taken away our sins. He's restored us to a relationship with God that we could never have gotten close to because of our sin. And doesn't that make us want to honour him? How can our response be anything other than worship? 
with faithfulness and a desperation to show him just how grateful we are and how much we love him. I'd rather get the materials right and get to find out what it is in verse 14 when Paul tells us that the builder who does that, who gets the materials right, will receive a reward. I don't know what that reward is, but you know what? It's from God. It's probably not going to be rubbish. (laughs) Probably going to be pretty awesome. Even better than the coffee machine I got for Christmas. Even better than George's Hot Wheels car maker that he got for Christmas. It's going to be an incredible reward. God doesn't give lousy gifts, does he? Isn't that stunning? On top of our salvation, on top of our forgiveness, on top of our entry into heaven, which we don't deserve, he's promising us a further reward. Yes, please, sign me up. Let's get the silver, let's get the gold, let's get the precious stones and get building. I'm excited by that. I want to see what what that reward is. What greater motivation can there be for us as believers to know that if we build a church that honours God on a foundation of Jesus, we will receive a heavenly reward from, from the God of all blessing. Freedom Church, I want that for us. I hope you do too. I hope you do too. As I close, verse 16 and 17 remind us of something incredible. Not only are we participating in the building of this church, we are the church. We are the church. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. We are the church. We We're using the gifts and the blessing which God has given us to build church. Literally, again, back to 1 Peter, we are living stones being built as God's presence, the dwelling of his Holy Spirit, both individually and corporately. It is in us that God places his Holy Spirit to be the very presence of Jesus on earth today. Here is where God lives, amongst us, his church. Anyone who's looking to find God Where do they find him? In us. In our church. In the church. And what do we want them to find then? When they come looking for God, when they come to our church, what do we want people to find? Do we want them to find a structure of straw, of wood and of hay, in which they might find some earthy blessing, but they'll suffer a loss on a day of judgment? Or do we want them to find a building that is as effective and loving as it is beautiful, that will bring them both earthly joy and heavenly reward. We've got to get this right. Our foundation is laid. The building is in progress. It's not in question. If you try and destroy that foundation, do it at your peril. Now it's all about what we build with, how we build it. So Freedom Church, can I ask you, to help us be part of something incredible, to help us to build a church of gold and silver and precious stones, to build a church that truly houses the Holy Spirit to such an extent that as people of any circumstance, of any background, of any race, of any social standing, when they walk in this room, they're hit right between the eyes by his presence when they walk through these doors. To build a church that is passionately 
devoted to its foundation stone, Jesus Christ. So much so that we bless the city, we bless the nations in a way that reflects what Jesus did himself on earth. That we offer love and kindness and truth and inclusiveness. And can I also ask us all to be on the lookout, to be alert and to watch as we build, to make sure that we are not allowing any of the less precious materials to get into our construction. We don't want golden walls with a straw roof. We don't want a silver door with a wooden handle. We don't want a passionate focus on Jesus that's coupled with an inward focus that completely excludes people outside. We don't want that mixture. We don't want a powerful ministry to the poor that is coupled with false teaching on wealth and prosperity. We don't want electrifying praise and worship of God coupled with idolatry and promotion of the individuals who bring that praise and worship. We want to build a church that is founded on Jesus, which looks like Jesus, and which honours Jesus Christ. And if we do that, church, the impact for this city will be incredible. And boy, oh boy, will we have a great time enjoying our reward in heaven.